Well, g'day everyone and welcome to The Journey this week. My name's Jude Hennessy and absolutely stoked to be with you on what is the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. We've moved into November. We're rapidly approaching the Advent season, that time of preparation for the wonderful celebration of Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus and in the process of moving through there in the scriptures next week, we're going to be hearing some wonderful, wonderful readings. No different today when we uh, kick off the show with the gospel set down for what is being read in churches right around the world. It's a gospel from Matthew. More about that in a minute. But apart from that, you can hear from some, from some great people. Mother Hilda Scott, of course, we've got her each and every week, and she's just fantastic. Bit of a story about a black ant and a sugar bowl. It'll make sense when we get there. Fantastic to have Father Tony Percy with us. He's got a piece that's asking us to, to descend into the fertile valley of humility. Humility is a, a great gift, a great attribute. And he's going to speak to us about that and in particular reference it in relation to the Pharisees who Jesus is, is speaking to today and speaking with today. We'll hear that in the gospel as well. Mr. Mark Rowe is with us. He's involved with Catholic Mission. We've just had Mission Month and His little God spot is called Hearts on Fire, Feet on the Move, and he's going to speak to us today about the concept of the common good, what it means and how we as Christian people are are called to be very aware of and working towards outcomes that are for the the common good of all people, all people of goodwill in particular. And someone we haven't heard from for a while, Trish McCarthy, Milk and Honey is her segment. She's going to speak to us a little bit today about hunger, and and sometimes it's okay to be hungry. Sometimes fasting is a really powerful tool. But Trish wants to talk to us about coping with irritability, being tired, and having a general negative state of mind, and how sometimes what we eat can, can bring us to that space. But to kick us off, as I said, we're going to break open the gospel for this week. It's Father Mike Delaney who's going to give us the gospel reflection. A piece that he's called One Master, One Father, One Teacher. And it's got to do with a conversation he's having with the Pharisees and how they don't practice what they preach. The gospel reading's from Matthew 23, 1-12. And Father Mike, as he always does, is going to point it back to us and say, well, what challenges does the words of Jesus in today's gospel, what, what challenges do they present to us in our own communities, in our own situations? Lots and lots to get through this week. A few things to share with you that are coming up that you might be interested in as well. Some some events that we'll we'll let you know about. But to kick off with now, let's do as we should. Let's uh, let's dive into the Word of God. Max Norton's going to proclaim this week's gospel for you, and then we'll hear from Father Mike Delaney. After that, being from Grace City and the song "Always Only Jesus." Faith, hope, love, and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you've joined us on the journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Addressing the people and his disciples, Jesus said, The scribes and the Pharisees occupy the chair of Moses. You must therefore do what they tell you and listen to what they say. But do not be guided by what they do, since they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, But will they lift a finger to move them? Not they. Everything they do is done to attract attention, like wearing broader phylacteries and longer tassels, like wanting to take the place of honour at banquets and the front seats in the synagogues, being greeted obsequiously in the market squares and having people call them rabbi. You, however, must not allow yourselves to be called rabbi since you have only one master, And you are all brothers. You must call no one on earth your father, since you have only one father, 
and he is in heaven. Nor must you allow yourselves to be called teachers, for you have only one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel Reflection with Father Mike Delaney. In my parish, I'm currently preaching a message series titled, Just Another Question. It arises from the past few weeks of our Gospel passages from Matthew, where firstly the Herodians and then the Pharisees have asked a question trying to trap Jesus into giving an answer, either defying the Roman rulers or denying the law of Moses. The fact that Jesus answers in a manner that frustrates their effort to find fault in his teaching basically was because they valued slavish obedience not just to God's law but to their interpretation of it more than they valued the people who belonged to God. Today's gospel moves us in a slightly different direction as while there's no actual question being asked of Jesus he makes a comment about what it means to live a faithful life according to the law of Moses. In the passage we've read, he tells the people, the scribes and the Pharisees occupy the chair of Moses. You must therefore do what they tell you and listen to what they say, but do not be guided by what they do, since they do not practice what they preach. In a sense, this statement might be a little harsh because the Pharisees had been trained to observe the law at all costs. There is a sense that all of us might be judged as Jesus judged the Pharisees because we all come from a mode of family upbringing that is usually particular to our family and to its traditions, our own personal foundation of life. Now the Pharisees taught the law which they considered a firm foundation and in fact Jesus acknowledges that but their hearts were not open to what God had intended the law to proclaim, that God was their God and they were his children. So Jesus condemns their teaching, suggesting they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but will they lift a finger to move them? Not they. Jesus then goes on to suggest that everything they do is done so that they get greater recognition and acknowledgement amongst the people. In contrast, we read earlier in Matthew's Gospel from chapter 11, Jesus saying to the people, Come to me, all you who labour and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The final part of our reading reminds us that we have one master, one father, one teacher. Jesus is presenting a new way of living, which should be the pattern for the way in which leadership in the community of the kingdom will be exercised. And it raises the question, what might need to change in our attitudes, our structures, to make it so today? You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full.
Listening to the journey, music, interviews, and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. I saw the funniest thing the other day. Our home, like many others, knows a plague of ants from time to time. I went to make a cuppa, and as I opened the clear plastic sugar container, I saw a single small black ant 
dive across the white sugar, hide itself down the side of the clear plastic container and then become totally motionless. The impression that it made was that if it didn't move, then I wouldn't notice it was there. But you see, it couldn't burrow, so it was pretty much on the top of the sugar anyway. I saw my little friend and I laughed. If ants had any power of reason, then how on earth did this little being think I would not see it? Its black form standing out in sharp contrast to its surrounds. I picked it up on a sugar-loaded teaspoon and put it outside to take its chances with the elements. It occurred to me that we are so often like that ant. We think God doesn't see us. We sometimes think we are too insignificant for God to pay attention to us. After all, who are we? Just average people who go about our lives falling down and getting up again. We don't see ourselves as anything spectacular, not in any way. And yet we are as obvious to God as my little black friend in the white sugar was to me. There's no escaping his eyes of love. Sometimes you and I do something we're ashamed of and we hope he doesn't see us. And we forget that his eye of compassion seeks us out and wants nothing more than to pick us up and lift us out of our misery. We think, because perhaps we don't talk to him as much as we ought to, that he hasn't gotten used to hearing from us and that we're now off his radar. And so, of course, he doesn't see us. We forget that he comes to the clear plastic container of our life, lifts the lid and hopes that today we just might crawl across to him. There's something else, really. If we do let him into our lives, if we do talk to him, ask him things, be on familiar terms with him as he wants us to be, then he will become the black ant in our lives and we will always notice him, even when he is still. And seeing him there at every turn will make all the difference. I wonder where you'll see him this week. I wonder where he'll see you. Thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott. That was a, a great piece called The Ant. A bit of imagery there about how uh, the bigness of God we can feel. We can feel pretty small and insignificant at times, but God's got our best interests in heart and wants to lift us out of, of our misery. So thanks to Mother Hilda Scott there. Thanks to Father Mike Delaney, who, before the break in the first section of the show, broke open this week's Gospel Reflection. We've got some more pieces coming up for you from, from some great people. Father Tony Percy will be after the break. Don't forget, you can go to jcr.org.au. You can listen to stuff again. You can share it with people. It's all there for free. Go grab it, share it with others, and let it build you up. Here's some more music, House Fires, You Are My Peace. And after the break, we're going to hear from Father Tony Percy. His segment is called The Word. And he's going to ask us to descend into the valley of humility. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy and you're on the journey. I lay my burdens at your feet. I'm letting go of all the things I can't control. In my frailty, Lord, I find your strength I'm depending on a love that won't let go I trust you, I trust you, I trust you Oh, you are my 
on the journey faith hope and love for life in all its fullness The name above all names 
Father Tony Percy. This week, descend into the fertile valley of humility. So here we are now, 31st week, the uh, Gospel of Matthew. We're here in Matthew 23 with Jesus observing that the scribes and Pharisees, these great leaders of the Jewish community, that there's a certain problem here, he says, that they're highly educated. You might want to listen to what they're saying, but don't do what they're doing because most of the things they're doing are done to attract people's notice. So it's a particular form of vanity and pride. They think that because of their education and their uh, strong will, they're going to rise and ascend to God uh, much easier, much quicker, with a greater facility than other people. And Jesus, in fact, says, no, that's not the case at all. In the tradition of the church, there certainly is this notion of ascending the mountain. So you think of Moses who ascended the mountain and then received the gift of the the Decalogue. We had something of that last week with Jesus referring to the the great commandment to love God with all our heart and soul and strength and our neighbour as ourself, that twofold division. He received it as 10 words and then back he went. So he climbed up the mountain and certainly experienced God. So that's true. Uh, Jesus himself was transfigured on a mountain, either mountain of Tabor or Mount Hermon. The uh, scholars aren't exactly sure which one, but he certainly ascended up there and he took up James and Peter and John. Up they went and ascended the mountain. It was one tremendous experience for them. There's no doubt about that. So that's true. And then, of course, you get people like St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross, who wrote many spiritual classics. One of them, of course, was called the Ascent of Mount Carmel. So there definitely is this idea of ascending to God. But uh, there is also very much part of the tradition that if you want to ascend to God, then you have to descend to humility. So you get people like St. Therese of Lisieux, of the child Jesus of the Holy Face. I love that name. She's called those three names. An extraordinary woman, just a very simple French nun, lived for 24 years and was commanded to write a book called The Story of a Soul when she died. They pulled it out of, a, out of a drawer. They didn't make much of it. She wrote the whole um, autobiography of, of her own life under obedience. They didn't take any notice of it. When she died, they took it out and realized there was something there. And then it was published and around the world it went. It was an amazing, amazing story. And to this day, she performs very, very many miracles. I would recommend you go to her for some of the smallest things and some of the biggest things that, that you need. St. Therese of Lisieux of the child Jesus of the holy face. Now, in that particular book I referred to, she says, yes, you want to ascend the mountain with God and scale the mountain with God. She says, yes, but in fact, 
you've got to descend. You've got to go down to the fertile valley of humility. The fertile valley of humility where Jesus is waiting for you. It's an amazing phrase. So she would say that, of course, because the very first descent, the greatest descent that has ever taken place of humility or into humility is the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Word becoming flesh, coming and living among us. That's the first descent. And the second one is his descent into sin. So in the second uh, letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21, I do encourage you to go and have a look at it and meditate on it. St. Paul remarkably says that the sinless one, reference to Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the sinless one has been made into sin for us. And he is the way we are reconciled to the Father. And he is the way that peace is brought into this world. If we let his embrace come to him, we accept the, the descent of Christ, not only to humanity, but into our very sin. And that's what the mystery of Jesus's death on the cross is. So yes, we do want to ascend to God, but first we have to descend into the fertile valley of humility where God is assuredly waiting for each and every one of us. Well, thanks so much to Father Tony Percy there. Great piece on humility, some reflections on the Gospels, some references to St. Therese of Lisieux and how the, the real model of humility we find in, in Jesus himself those of you who listened in last week will remember the interview that we had with Dr. Eamon Matheson. It was fascinating, and it was pointing to an event that's coming up next week, which is the CMA conference, the Catholic Medical Association conference. They'll be hoping to have some guys from some other Christian medical groups there as well. It's for anyone of faith, really, Christian faith, who is involved in the medical profession, be they in hospitals, doctors, nurses, medical professionals, Chiros, physios, you name it, you're very, very welcome to be part of that event. Running out of time, need you to register in the next couple of days. It's going to be held in the Hills District in Sydney. Just looked up the CMA, Catholic Medical Association Conference, as they face, and as we as Christian people face increasingly, a real gulf between the behaviours, the rationale and the ethos of people of faith and, and what we're finding in the secular realm, particularly around life issues and how some freedoms of speech and conscientious objection are coming under attack. Well, there's going to be a lot of focus on that in this conference with some amazing speakers, including Dr. Joanna Howe from the University of Adelaide. She's a professor there and just an absolute warrior for life issues. Check it out. Just go and chuck that into your search engine, Catholic Medical Association. And if you want to go back and listen to that interview from last week, I really encourage you to do so. Again, just go to jcr.org.au and you'll be able to access it. Here's the news, boys, now. You are my king after the break. We're going to be hearing from Mr. Mark Rowie. He's a champion. He works for Catholic Mission, does great work in ensuring that people know about and are able to support the great work of this mission organisation around the world. And today he's going to talk to us about the common good, faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you're on the journey. forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose 
Love and life. This is the journey. And now, encouraging us to have hearts on fire and feet on the move, here's Mark Rowie. One of the great mysteries of Christian belief 
is that the all-powerful, all-knowing God of all creation, the Creator, the Supreme Being who made this universe out of nothing, also knows and cares about the intimate dealings of each of our hearts. The very same God who made the universe knows my every thought and concern. I matter as an individual. I am unique, have a special dignity, and am known and loved by God as me. Complementing that mystery, though, is that whilst God knows and cares for each of us as individuals, our needs and wants can never be met at the expense of other people, or that we can justifiably live in splendid isolation, immune from the impact our choices have on others. My needs and wants are important. Of course they are. But satisfying them must be balanced against the needs and wants of other people, and in the end, what is ideally in the best interests of everybody. This is known as the principle of the common good. As a parent and grandparent, and recently a school principal, I know that it is challenging to balance the needs of an individual with the needs of the whole. One very challenging student or the whole school? Oh, not so simple. Let me think on that one. Oh, for the wisdom of Solomon. Good parents, principals, politicians, employers, good people grapple with that dilemma time and time again. The Gospel implores us to focus on the lost sheep, and obviously some individuals require more resources and care at particular times than others. Priority clearly must be given to the marginalised, the vulnerable or the poor. It's why society redistributes wealth, and we provide welfare support within a country and beyond our borders. The Second Vatican Council of the Catholic Church, some 50 years ago, described the principle of the common good this way. It is the sum total of the social conditions that allow people, either as groups or individuals, to reach their fulfilment more fully and more easily. So individuals will thrive when the group thrives, and the group will thrive when individuals thrive. One depends upon the other. My work in Catholic Mission is partly driven by the fact that so many people in the world are not thriving do not have their basic needs met, and that we need to redistribute resources to remedy that, to help individuals and communities experience fullness of life. When that happens, the individuals will flourish, the local communities will flourish, but so too will you and I, because we are part of the whole, the one human family, deeply interconnected, not living parallel lives in isolation. If the principle of the common good were to be truly embodied in our world, we'd all be living as the first Christians were, as described in Acts chapter 2. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. I'm Mark Rowey from Catholic Mission. Find out more about us at catholicmission.org.au. Thanks so much to Mark Rowley there. Great piece, great insights into the common good. Really learned a lot then just listening to that. And thank you to Mark for his regular inputs to the show now. We're really, really lucky to have a man of his calibre and of his great passion for justice and for the common good contributing to the show. You're going to hear from Trish McCarthy soon. She's going to round out the show for us, but not before we hear some more really good music. We're going to hear from Chris Tomlin, God of Calvary, first up, and then after the break, Trish McCarthy is going to talk to us about hunger and food and irritability and what we need to do to be in balance in our life. That's Milk and Honey from Trish McCarthy coming up after the break. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're getting near the end, but so glad you've joined us this week on The Journey. 
On the hill of Calvary, the light of all the world, with the world on his shoulders, the weight of all our shame on him who knew no sin, a holy surrender, the sky went dark.
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. And now it's time for Milk and Honey with Trish McCarthy. When I hear the stories scattered through the scriptures of people fasting from food, it conjures up memories of my experience of being hungry, irritable, lethargic and generally in a negative state. There is much still to learn in and from those experiences for me. However, on a daily basis, if when you haven't eaten in a while you feel jittery, irritated, snappy, foggy, it's usually an indication that the foods you have chosen to consume may need to be evaluated as they're having a considerable impact on the amount of sugar or glucose in your blood. It is a good question to consider and ask yourself before and after meals, how do you feel? If you use words like those I mentioned, then we may need to take a different approach. Another good indicator, although simple, is the notion that before a meal you would feel hungry, not famished, starving, irritable, and after a meal you should feel not hungry, satisfied, ready to take on the world, and renewed energy. This result comes from eating the right kind of food, ones that stabilise your blood glucose level without high peaks and low dips at the right time. Try to include a small amount of protein at each meal. Meat, nuts, good serve of veggies with every meal, even breakfast. Seriously try it, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And a small amount of natural fats, avocados, coconut products, eggs and nut butters. Being tired, irritable and generally in a negative state is not how our Creator designed us to travel through life. We operate best when we are centred, satisfied, focused and integrated. And the foods we choose to consume contribute a vital part to that whole picture. What are we waiting for?
song to run at the show king and country what are we waiting for love those guys they get big crowds right around the world wherever they go whenever they perform i've seen them a few times on some of the music that's been put down for the christmas specials put out by the guys who who do the chosen that wonderful creative telling of the gospels looking forward to their christmas special this year too they're great thanks to trish mccarthy as i said thank you to all of our uh, contributors right throughout this week's show to mark rowie and to father tony percy Mother Hilda Scott, and to kick us off right at the start of the show, great to have the champion from down in Tasmania, Father Mike Delaney, based in Hobart. He's just a, a wonderful evangelist, a wonderful pastor, and he broke open the gospel for us this week. We will be doing it all again next week. We're getting closer and closer to the Advent season, a few pivotal weeks of ordinary time in the church year and some great readings and gospels that we need to get through before we head into this Advent season and the end of a liturgical year for those who follow a liturgical calendar and lots of churches do and diving into the Advent season leading into Christmas. We're doing it all again next week. Hope you can join us. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy and you've been on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Dharawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.